You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, I don't know about you, but I've been feeling a little touch and go over the last few weeks. So for my sanity, when I'm not doom scrolling Twitter or breathing into a paper bag while I read the New York Times, I've been making time for a little exercise, some TV, a couple of good books. I'm going to recommend all three. In general, I recommend exercising, watching TV, reading books, but I've got some specific recommendations I'd like to share. First, my new exercise routine. Cardio? Lifting? Spin classes? No, no, and fuck no. Reservations. It works like this. Terry makes dinner reservations at some place a few miles from our house, and I walk to that restaurant. Earbuds in, podcast on. Not my podcast. I'm not one of those sociopaths who listens to his own podcast. No, I'm walking, listening to Sway with Kara Swisher, The Logbooks, The Secret Life of Canada, which I'm really enjoying, The Gist with Mike Pesca, which I'm really happy to have back, Then Terry drives, we meet at the restaurant for dinner, I eat whatever I want, I get a lift home. Reservations, my new workout routine. As for reading, right now I'm reading The Right to Sex, Feminism in the 21st Century by Amiya Shinavasan. It's fascinating. Ezra Klein interviewed Shinavasan on his podcast. Go check it out, worth listening to. And I'm sure we'll be talking more about The Right to Sex here on my podcast and soon. I'm also reading Young, Damned, and Fair by Gareth Russell, which is about Catherine Howard, Henry VIII's fifth wife, the second beheaded in the old rhyme about Henry VIII's six wives. Divorced, beheaded, died. Divorced, beheaded, survived. Howard, the second beheaded. As for what I'm watching, I'm really almost embarrassed to say Young Royals on Netflix. Okay, if you've seen the trailer, it looks really trashy and stupid. It's about a group of students at an exclusive boarding school in Sweden, and one of the students happens to be a member of the Swedish royal family, and these are all, you know, rich kids. But it's really good. Not so bad it's good sense of really good. I mean, good, smart, so much better than the marketing department at Netflix made it look. The acting is amazing, heartbreaking at times. Also, the actors... For a change in a high school drama, they look like high school students. If you've ever complained about the actors on Euphoria and Sex Education or way back in the day, Glee looking like they're all 30 years old because most of them are 30 years old. If that throws you, if that's made it hard for you to suspend your disbelief and get into those shows, well, nobody in Young Royals looks like they're 35. They look like high school students which is great for the verisimilitude. And it makes it easier to believe these actors are the people they're pretending to be. And then along comes a hot and heavy makeout session between two of the characters and some very realistic depictions of first sexual experiences, awkward first sexual experiences. And you're like, uh, is it legal for me to be watching this in America? But Young Royals isn't purient and it isn't stupid. It isn't Gossip girls set in a Swedish boarding school. The acting and writing and direction, all amazing. And it'll take you back if you're queer. That time in your life, I think this is true whether you're gay or straight, but I think it's especially true if you're gay. That time in your life when a kiss from someone that you had a crush on was what you wanted most in the world and what you feared most in the world. Young Royals just got renewed for a second season. It's great. Everyone's been sleeping on it. Go binge the first season now. And speaking of gay kids, 
The Don't Say Gay bill passed in Florida last week. Tim Miller from The Bulwark is our guest on this week's show, and we have a long conversation about Don't Say Gay later in the episode on the Magnum. But there's something I kind of wanted to say about this first. So we've been seeing books with queer characters and queer themes yanked from school libraries, and now these Don't Say Gay bills, one passed in Florida, a new and worse one being proposed in Georgia and likely to pass. And it seems that these social conservatives, these Republican assholes, think they're going to drag us all back to the days when the only thing a gay could could find in a school about homosexuality was a very clinical definition in a dictionary. But I'm here to let you all know that kids have phones in their pockets now that they carry around at school. Queer kids, gay kids, they're going to find what they need. Yeah, they can pass it, don't say gay bills. They can ban every book with queer themes. They can remove every novel or memoir by a queer author or any book featuring queer characters. But they're not. They're not going to bring back the days when a gay kid could grow up thinking he was the only one in the world. Or a lesbian kid or a bisexual kid or a trans kid or a pan kid or an asexual kid. We let all those cats out of all those bags and then we piled up those bags and we burned them. There's no going back. On a personal note, there were no gay books in my school when I was a kid growing up. And no teacher would talk about being gay or acknowledge the existence of queer people. But I was lucky enough to live in a big city. And there were used bookstores all over town. And in them, I found James Baldwin, Giovanni's Room, and Gore Vidal, The City and the Pillar, and Matt Crowley, Boys in the Band, along with stacks of old After Dark magazines and copies of The Joy of Gay Sex. I bought the paperbacks that weren't too incriminating, like Giovanni's Room, read them at home. Other books, books I didn't want to get caught with, I read those in the bookstores that I returned to again and again. I knew when I was 12 that I wasn't the only boy like me out there in the world. I'd seen copies at that point of New York Native. And when I was 14, I found a copy of Larry Kramer's Faggots in a bookstore. Couldn't take that one home. Read it sitting in the back of that bookstore. The same bookstore where I read Best Little Boy in the World by Andrew Tobias and Ruby Fruit Jungle by Rita Mae Brown. I was lucky to live in a city and I will always be grateful, not just to the authors of all of these books, but to the people who worked in those bookstores where I found them. They let me sit and read for hours and then put those books back on the shelf. It wasn't that I didn't want to buy them and take them home. I couldn't buy them, most of them, and take them home. And not only did the employees at those bookstores let me sit there and read, they pretended not to notice what I was reading. I wish I could track them all down and thank each and every one of them personally. The culture used to work so hard to hide gay people and gay lives from me, a gay kid. I was in Catholic schools for fuck's sake, and yet... I found my way to a book by James Baldwin where I read this. Love him and let him love you. Do you think anything else under heaven really matters? That was what I needed to read. There was no him in my life to love then, but I read that. And I knew that if and when he came along, I would be able to love him. If they couldn't stop me from finding what I needed to read then in the 1970s, they won't be able to stop queer kids growing up today from finding what they need to read now. I mean, the idea that now, with every kid carrying the Library of Alexandra and the Library of Congress and every cat video ever made and every porn scene ever filmed around in their pockets with them, that you can somehow keep those kids 
from finding what they need to read or to see? Uh, Kids in Florida schools. Yeah, they may not be able to say gay. You can pass a law against that. And their teachers may not be able to say gay, but they can still type gay into a search engine. And some of what they find is going to make even the most conservative parent wish their kid had heard about gay from their teachers or from their teachers first, instead of hearing about it first from Pornhub. All right, coming up on today's show, tons of your cues, lots of my A's. And like I said, Tim Miller from The Bulwark is here to talk about the don't say gay bill that passed in Florida, what's in there, what's not in there, and what comes next. Also, I wanted to announce some new bonus content for our Magnum subs. Every now and again, I'm going to put out a special podcast, a special interview with political folks I think are important and interesting that I want to talk to. We're going to call it Sex and Politics. You know I'm a political junkie. And this way I can dig into some more newsy-oriented themes uh, and not get too much politics on my sex podcast. I hope you'll like it. The first one comes out this week. It's an interview with Amanda Marcotte from Salon about how the left has lost its status as the uh, party or movement that knows how to have fun. That will be available to my Magnum subscribers starting this week. Get yourself a Magnum subscription now or give one as a gift. Go to savage.love. All right, let's get to your questions. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Dipsy. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. Get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com savage. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Talkspace, online therapy that makes it easy to get extra mental health support. For $100 off your first month, go to talkspace.com and use the offer code SAVAGE. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by DoorDash, the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Get 25% off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code LOVECAST. Hi, this is a bisexual, non-binary person calling from Denmark. My question concerns squeezing of balls during sex. So a person I am currently hooking up with once in a while requires ball squeezing, specifically having his balls squeezed, in order to orgasm. This is easy enough when I am performing oral sex on him, but I would like to maybe have him penetrate my vagina sometime. And I am not sure how to do that while also squeezing his balls. So are there any toys for this? Any positions you recommend? I need your help, Dan. There are toys for this. There are definitely toys for this. There's a particular kind of toy out there called a, kind of got a dramatic, scary name, called a ball crusher. Most ball crushers are a little too cumbersome for penetrative sex. They're not designed for having vaginal intercourse while someone is wearing one or anal intercourse while someone is wearing one. They're really designed for someone to be having their balls crushed while they're being jacked off. But there's an alternative called a ball stretcher, which is like a cock ring, but it just goes around your balls and there are different sort of sizes and shapes and lengths, usually of silicone and you stretch them open and you pop the balls into them or all the way through them. And then you let the silicone tube close up and it squeezes and presses the balls all the way down to the bottom of the sack. And that may provide your fuck buddy, your new friend, with enough pressure 
especially while he's having vaginal intercourse with you and his balls are kind of getting slapped around a little bit while he's wearing that ball stretcher and penetrating you vaginally for him to climax. So I would recommend checking out Oxballs. They're a really good company. They make high quality silicone toys. They have ball stretchers. They have ball squeezers. They have ball crushers. But I think what you're going to want are the ball stretchers of various sizes. I think they're exactly what you're looking for, and I'm sure they'll work for you and your friend. Hey, Dan. 30-year-old pansexual uh, cisgendered male living on the east coast of Canada. I just had a a quick question about, I guess this would be an etiquette question. Um, I just am getting home now from my very first threesome. And it was awesome. It was amazing. We got together. This couple had invited me over. They were um, staying in the Airbnb. They're you know, traveling from out of town. I had met the woman on field earlier, and we sort of been chit-chatting for a little bit. And uh, so they invited me over um, when they were visiting from out of town uh, to their Airbnb. And you know, I came over. We were talking for a little bit, just making some conversation, trying to get to know each other. And then, you know, things moved to the bedroom and, you know, the threesome was really hot and whatnot. But my question isn't really about the threesome. The question actually comes from something else. Near the end of the threesome, or should I say the thing that ended the threesome, was while we were, me and the other guy were bit roasting the woman, she was, I think, maybe gagging a little bit too hard on my cock and she unfortunately had an accident and she had she had vomited on my on my dick and in that moment my first thought was to a clean myself up but b not hurt her feelings so i guess my question is like is there is there a way where like if something a very understandable accident like that were to happen what would be a good way to handle that as the person who just got vomited on to not shame or or cast stigma or 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 anything like that to make the other person feel bad. How how best might you avoid that? Whenever a question like this comes up, I always think of my first true love, Tommy. Tommy, ah, he was gorgeous, he was hot, he was blonde, he was hung, and he was just the right first boyfriend, first love for a kind of still conflicted, not closet case, I was out of the closet, but still conflicted, gay Catholic boy. And we were fucking, or he was fucking me. And I, well, there's no nice way to say this. I shit on his dick. I mean, I didn't shit all over his dick. I didn't shit on his lap. I got some shit on his dick. And I was absolutely mortified. And I was apologizing and blushing and just apologizing. And he put his hand on my shoulder and said, hey, it's a butt. It happens. Let's go shower off and then we'll do something else which is exactly what I needed to hear, and it was exactly what we did. All right, now, when you're getting deep-throated by someone, you have to assume that there's some small chance, some small risk, that that person may wind up puking on you. Just like if you're fucking someone's ass, there's some small risk that that person might get some shit on your dick, even if that person cleaned out. Even if that person that you're deep-throating usually has a pretty good sense of what's too far and when they're sexy retching and when they're going to bring up lunch retching, when the gag reflex is a little too engaged. But there's always a risk. And I think if you're the person getting deep-throated or you're the person fucking ass, 
when something like that happens, the way you handle it is by, you know, if the person's apologizing profusely, telling them it's okay and that it's a butt, that happens. It's a throat, that happens. Let's clean up. You know, grab a towel, wipe off, jump in the shower and do something else. The only thing, the only place I might offer some criticism of how you guys handled it. And maybe she called an end of the threesome after that. Maybe she was done after she threw up on you, but the pivot could have been better handled rather than this being the end of the threesome. You clean up, you jump in the shower, she brushes her teeth, and then you ease back into perhaps some less physically taxing play so that everybody can get off. And you can end the night not on a pukey note, but on a cummy endorphiny note. But the most important thing you can do in that moment, if somebody shits on your dick, pukes in your lap, uh, when their body reminds you that it is a body and we're not always 100% in control of our bodies, one of the things we enjoy about sex is you know ceding some control over our body to another person or losing control over our bodies for a moment. Sometimes things that you hope wouldn't happen or don't want to happen happen. And everybody in that moment needs to take an equal share of the responsibility for it. She didn't puke on you. You were fucking her throat. You triggered her gag reflex and she puked. Not because of something she did wrong or that she was doing, but because something you two were doing and enjoying together. So the most important thing someone could do in that moment, like my first boyfriend, Tommy, he didn't say, oh, you did this to me. He was like, eh, that happens when you're fucking ass or you're having your ass fucked. Let's shower off, do something else. So next time, if you're ever in this situation again, call her. Next time, don't run for the door. Head to the showers and the toothbrush. We talk a lot about porn on this show, but a lot of people don't want the visuals or don't want the visuals all the time. A lot of people get turned on by voices and audio stories and erotica because it lets your imagination work for you too. And that's why I recommend Dipsy. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and characters. No matter who you're into or what turns you on, they have stories for straight and queer folks and a diverse variety of voices. Find stories about that intriguing coworker with a British accent. They literally have a whole section on characters with sexy accents. That's a thing for a lot of people, particularly people into audio porn. Find stories about hooking up with your hot yoga instructor. They even have stories designed specifically for your zodiac sign. Okay, they lost me there. I'm not so much into astrology, but if that works for you and it works for a lot of people, have at it, Mrs. Sagittarius. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy also has sleep stories, wellness sessions, and now they offer written stories. I was delighted to learn that Mark from Hot Vinyasa also voices a guided meditation. All good, all good. Dipsy is your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, or heat things up with a partner. And for listeners of the Savage Lovecast, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash savage. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash savage. Again, let them know the Lovecast sent you. Go to dipsystories.com slash savage. You won't regret it.
Hey, Dan, Nancy, and the tech savvy at-risk youth. Mid-40s, cis male, queer bi guy here. Finally, after many years, I've been able to come out. I've been accepted by my wife, which is great. And we've discussed and put down the limits right now of my ability to be open within our relationship, to go out and explore and to have those things for the first time ever, which I'm so grateful and excited for just to have a great partner. And I really wanted to ask you kind of two things. What do I need to know, understand, uh, consider when it comes to having this openness? Um, by the way, my wife is uh, told me it's a don't ask, don't tell scenario. She really doesn't want to know. Uh, she just wants me to be safe and have a good time and to uh, make sure that I keep both of us safe in that way, which I plan to do. So I wanted to ask, you know, what do I need to know? What should I consider? Are there books I should read? Things like that when it comes to making sure that uh, I do the right thing within this don't ask, don't tell openness that we have within our marriage. And then also the second thing I wanted to ask is I've played around with guys before, a lot of anonymous hookups, things like that, grinder and things like that in my youth. But I'm not 100% sure like how to go about trying to find ultimately what I would like is a friends with benefits kind of situation and just navigating by queer community. There are lots of books out there on open relationships. Very few of them address DADT. I think people who write about open relationships really center, really honor, really want to talk about the honesty and communication that makes open relationships function. And there's kind of this discomfort with DADT because there's a little dishonesty required to sustain a DADT-style open relationship, a don't-ask-don't-tell-style open relationship. There's a paradox at the heart of the kind of honesty required to make DADT work. It reminds me of you know when hard store kinksters talk about consensual non-consent. It's somebody consenting to a scene where uh, you know it looks like they're not consenting. And it may feel like they're not consenting and they've consented to that kind of drama. When it comes to DADT, you know, there's a little dishonesty at the heart of DADT because there are ways you can tell your partner that you've just been with someone else without telling them. There, You will have to protect your partner from logical inferences they might make if you are you know, squirrely or obtuse or opaque about where you've been, what you've been doing, who you've been with. And then your partner will, you know, assume that you just had sex with somebody else and you just told them that. So you may have to be a little dishonest in the service of your honest, open relationship that has a DADT agreement to make it go. And you may have to tell some small lies to protect your partner from the truth that you've already told them that they've asked you to protect them from knowing the details of. And that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. It doesn't make me uncomfortable. I think DADTs are a perfectly reasonable option for people who want to open relationships but don't want to be constantly thinking about or having to worry about where their partner is, what their partner's doing, or tormented by mental images of what their partner might be doing, or having to think about their partner having sex with other people every time their partner is out of sight. So get comfortable with those little white lies that make a DADT possible. As for finding your community, as for finding your FWB, I'm just going to be straight with you here. Bi queer guy, gay queer guy here being straight with you. Gay bi men tend to create those communities 
with our dicks. They're like magic wands. We make friends with our dicks. We find new sex partners with our dicks. What's going to happen is you're going to get out there. You're going to meet guys and you'll meet guys that you hook up with and you don't want to hook up with them again, or they don't want to hook up with you again. And you're going to meet a guy that you realize during the hookup or right after the hookup, if you're chit-chatting, that you really click with, that you really kind of like. And eventually one of those guys is going to be in a circumstance very similar to yours. Maybe they have a spouse at home and are seeking a friend with benefits who can respect the you know sanctity and the primacy of their primary relationship and that they can have a DADT arrangement with. And one of those guys that you hook up with could be that guy who you can have that ideal circumstance, situation, somebody reliable, dependable, and safe. There's one more thing I think you need to talk with your wife about. You're going to, she says, be safe, have a good time, keep us both safe. She get on prep. You should use condoms if you want to protect your wife from gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis. If you're going to have oral sex without condoms, which is what most people do, even people who are using condoms for penetrative anal sex, and very few gay bi men these days, particularly gay bi men on prep, are using condoms for anal sex, but you should stand your ground and insist to honor and protect your wife in the way that you swore to her you would protect her. But there is there is some risk. You can't eliminate the risk of syphilis, oral syphilis, oral gonorrhea, oral chlamydia. If you're out there given blowjobs, getting blowjobs without a condom, you could contract gonorrhea, syphilis, chlamydia, and pass that on to your wife. So allowing for you to express yourself in this way, if your wife is consenting to this, you need to be explicit with her that there is some uneliminatable, that's not the word I want, but I'm going to go with it, degree of risk. You will test regularly. You will get on prep. You will use condoms for anal, for penetrative sex. Maybe until you get to know a guy, if you really want to do everything you possibly can to keep your wife safe and yourself safe in order to keep your wife safe, it'll just be mutual masturbation. And yeah, there will be some guys who pass on you if all that's on the menu is mutual masturbation or penetrative sex on prep with condoms. But do you want to be with those guys if it requires violating the agreement that your wife made with you about the importance of you protecting her as you get to live your truth and have your fun and be the queer by guy that you are out there in the world. My last bit of advice for you is to put what it is that you are and what it is that you want on the hookup apps that you're heading back to grinder. I assume when you talk about uh, getting on apps like that in your youth, uh, considering that you're in your forties, you don't mean grinder, which only came along in 2009. I assume you mean Craigslist or other uh, internet hookup facilitation sites that were up and running 20 years ago. Uh, but when you get back out there, just queer, by guy, married, DADT agreement with the wife, not cheating, ideally seeking a friends with benefits situation with somebody I like who's regular and dependable and doesn't want more from me than I can give him. I can give him my time, my attention, my affection, but I can't marry anybody. Just put that out there. Be explicit about who you are, what you want, and you're far likelier not to waste your time with guys who want more, not to waste your time with guys who want less, and find the guys who want exactly what you want and want exactly what you are. This week's episode of the Savage Lovecast is sponsored by Talkspace. 
So many of us grapple with self-worth and why, who knows, we are all worthy. But if you're struggling with low self-esteem, body image issues, anxiety, anything else, there's no one-size-fits-all solution. And with work, school, and relationships pulling you in every direction, it can be hard to find time to focus on what you really need. That's why Talkspace Online Therapy gives you unlimited access to a licensed therapist so you can find the time to put yourself first. Therapy is a really important step in confronting what's holding you back. And with Talkspace, you can get that support from any device whenever you need it. Talking to a real mental health professional is so important. I urge people to do it all the time. Please don't consult Dr. Google. Go to a licensed therapist. And Talkspace has thousands of licensed therapists across dozens of specialties, so you can connect with someone that's trained for just what you need. You'll also have chat, video, and audio options for live sessions, so you can get support on your own terms from any device when you need it. Get the one-size-fits-one support you need with Talkspace. Sign up today at Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with the promo code SAVAGE. That's $100 off at Talkspace.com, promo code SAVAGE. Hi, Dan and the team. I have kind of a coming out question, but it's a lot more complicated. I am a cis female, queer woman in her early 30s living in Canada, but originally I am from Ukraine and you know where this is going. I have never come out to my grandma. I was born and raised in Ukraine. And when I uh, moved to Canada about 10 years ago, I finally came to my sexuality and have been in mostly, primarily in same-sex relationships for the past five years. Finally, I came out to my mom and she was horrified. Of course, she didn't take it well. And, And the first thing she said was, Please don't tell grandma. She will have a heart attack. She's going to die. This is going to kill her. She will. She can't handle it. And I have promised my mom I gave her that gift in exchange for her acceptance and her love. And I was fine with it. But more and more, I've been struggling with it because I am with a partner right now who I am planning to marry and probably have children and I can't imagine living a lie again we live in the in different countries all my family is back in Ukraine and so it's a little bit easier to lie but it's still oh my god how can I keep up with this lie and but everything has come to a really really drastic development when of course a week ago Russia invaded Ukraine and here's the other problem is that my grandmother is Russian and she is pro-Putin. She's moved to Ukraine from Siberia way back in the day and when Soviet Union collapsed and Ukraine finally got it regained its independence my grandmother was devastated. She, she didn't like Ukraine. She didn't love you. She didn't know the language. She didn't, she didn't bother. She didn't bother to learn anything about the culture. But her grandchildren are Ukrainian. I am super, I've been super proactive. I've switched. I've learned the new language. I've switched to Ukrainian language. I've been super active in politics and in culture and in 
art. And then I left and I thought it's over. And I tried so hard to change my grandma. I tried so hard to educate her and teach her history and explain what crimes Lenins and Stalins have done to the to my people. And she never understood. And I thought, fine, I can change her. I'm just going to wait until she dies. And then her people invaded my people. And now her people are aiming and killing my own and her own. Her grandchildren are in danger of being bombed and killed. And she is celebrating it. She is justifying the actions. She completely bought into the propaganda. She is literally cheering Russian army as they kill innocent people and killing my friends. And I have never felt so much anger for her. And all I could think of is that I want to come out to her, not to try to educate her, not to try to change her and explain to her why I don't want Russia to happen to me, but because I want to hurt her. Again, I know that it's going to cause her so much pain. And a part of me still loves her. It's so complicated. It's actually not that complicated. Come out to your grandma. You don't have to protect her feelings anymore. I don't think you should have made that deal with your mom a decade ago to spare your grandmother the news about you being queer. But certainly now, now that your mother's abandoned your grandmother, has nothing to do with your grandmother anymore, and your sister doesn't have anything to do with your grandmother anymore, and your grandmother is rooting for Putin to kill her own grandchildren in Ukraine, yeah, even if your motives are a little suspect, even if you're telling your grandmother that you're queer now in part to get back at her, why the fuck not? I had a shitty grandmother. I had a really shitty grandmother. I don't think my grandmother was as shitty as your grandmother, but my grandmother was pretty fucking shitty. And let me tell you, if there were, you know, if there was a magic spell I could have uttered, an incantation, something I could have said to her, that would have killed her, I would have been really fucking tempted to say that aloud, whatever it was, in her presence. I was out to her. That didn't kill her. She didn't like it. She never spoke to me again, for the most part. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I feel you. I feel what it is to have a shitty grandmother. And also, I came out to my very shitty, very homophobic, very racist, very awful grandmother. And it didn't kill her, and it's not going to kill your grandmother. She's going to get angry. She's not going to like it, but so the fuck what? Why are you prioritizing the feelings of this person, this monster? She's really a monster if she's pro-Putin, pro-Stalin, pro-Lenin, and is cheering on the Russian army as it invades your homeland and the homeland of her grandchildren and bombs indiscriminately civilian neighborhoods targets civilians for death and destruction. Uh, yeah. Fuck your grandma. Tell her you're queer, rip that bandaid off. And if it kills her, eh, good. And my heart goes out to you. It really does. This is a very distressing time. I'm watching the news 
obsessively watching what's happening in Ukraine, watching what's being done to Ukraine. And I'm not Ukrainian and I don't have any Ukrainian uh, friends or relatives. And I am absolutely gutted and upset and distressed by the news. So I can only imagine what you're going through. And then having to add, on top of what you're already going through emotionally right now, this layer of self-censorship, this responsibility that your mother imposed on you to prioritize your shitty, 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 shitty fucking grandmother's feelings over your own life, your own truth, your own ability to be fully out and fully honest with the people you quote unquote love, including your grandmother. Yeah, no, no. If not now, when? Should have been 10 years ago. Should have told that bitch 10 years ago, but certainly you're under no obligation to prioritize or spare this woman's feelings for one more minute, tell her. And if it kills her, good. Did you forget that one thing at the store? You know how annoying it is to have to go back to the store for that one thing? Now you don't have to. You can get that thing, that snack, that drink, that household essential in 30 minutes with DoorDash. DoorDash connects you with restaurants you love right now, and they bring that great food that you miss right to your door. And now you can get the grocery essentials you also need at DoorDash too. Get drinks, snacks, other household items delivered in under an hour. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want from where you want, and your items will be left safely outside your door with the contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your neighborhood go-tos or choose from your favorite national chains when you order on DoorDash. And for a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code LOVECAST. That's 25% off, up to $10 value, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code LOVECAST. Don't forget the code LOVECAST for 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. Hello, Dan. My wife and I have raised our kids in a loving and open, progressive home. We've encouraged them to talk to us and ask questions with the promise of a judgment-free answer. They're good kids, and we're very happy that they're moving through the world in the best way they know how. Our son, who's a freshman in college, has met a fellow freshman with whom he is smitten, and we're very happy for him. We haven't met this young woman yet, but from what he has told us, she appears to be from a very conservative home. She arrived at school unvaccinated, as are her parents. She told our son she was going to get the vaccine, but when it came time to do so, conversations with her parents convinced her not to. More importantly, from a dad's perspective, she is not on any form of birth control. My wife has always repeated the mantra that if he takes it out, he needs to wrap it up. So we're confident that he's using condoms, at least as confident as you can be as parents of a 20-year-old boy. I'd like to know that she's on effective birth control, if for no other reason than I don't want them having an unexpected pregnancy. I've told my kids from a very young age that a baby is the best thing that can happen to you when you're with the right partner and at a stage of life where you can appreciate and care for that baby. He is not at that point yet. This isn't my daughter, and it's none of my business really, but I'm wondering if you might have some advice or wisdom to encourage this young lady to take control of her own fertility. You know what I don't get? 
I don't get why good girls from conservative families won't get vaccinated and also won't use birth control, head off to college and have a ton of premarital sex. Seems to me that if you were going to be consistent, consistently conservative, have consistent conservative values, that, yeah, if birth control wasn't for you, premarital sex wouldn't be for you either. You got to say something to your son about those condoms that hopefully he's using. You say that the wife has said to your son again and again and again, if he's going to pull it out, wrap it up, go to your son, ask him if indeed that is what he is doing. Double check, make sure. And I would encourage him, I would encourage your son, if he had called in asking me for advice, not to ejaculate inside her, even wearing a condom. Condoms break, condoms leak. When someone ejaculates inside a condom and continues to thrust, as people often do during ejaculation, that ups the chances of a leak. And he doesn't want to risk knocking this girl up at age 20 because, yeah, a leak into a girl who won't use birth control because conservative values, that's also a leak into a girl who won't get an abortion because of conservative values. Although it is kind of a cliche among people who work at abortion clinics that they often see in the clinic on the table availing themselves of a safe and legal abortion, some of the same faces they've seen on the picket lines outside the abortion clinics. And then they see those faces return to the picket lines outside those abortion clinics. So maybe this girl would be, your son would luck out if he gets her pregnant and she would be one of those anti-choice conservative values hypocrites. But he doesn't want to gamble with his future. It's a long shot that she would be, if he knocked her up, one of those conservatives who would get an abortion when it was her future on the line and then seek to deny that choice to other young women whose futures are on the line. So go to your son, yell at your son. Not just about wrapping it up. It's about not ejaculating inside the condom that's inside her, unless that condom and his dick is inside her ass, and then I guess he can go for it. And I'm a meddler. I think you can say something to the girl as well. Yeah, they're both adults. You can't control ultimately either of them, but you're implicated in the choices that they're making. If your son becomes a father at age 20, you and your wife are going to have to come through for your son financially, probably going to have to do a lot of childcare if you want to keep your son in college. And so this choice that they're making not to use a better form of birth control if they're going to be sexually active if shit goes south, if a zygote gets implanted, it's going to impact your life too. And I think you have a right to say something to this girl when you meet her about that. I think you can say to her, look, my son says you two are sexually active. My son says you aren't on any form of birth control, that you guys are using condoms. That's good. It's not great. It's not ideal. Ideally, you would be on a more reliable, long-lasting form of birth control if you're going to make the choice at your age to be sexually active when you're not married and you're too young and not ready to have children. Will that be an awkward conversation? Yeah, that'll be awkward. You know, it'll be more awkward becoming a grandparent at your age. Hi, Dan. Queer cis woman calling in. 
I'm in the middle of a podcast episode of Deeply Human, and I just learned that in 1981, Jimmy Carter commissioned a report entitled Defining Death, and I learned that in different different states have different definitions of what they consider uh, what they consider death to be. Um, anyway, I was listening to this, and the first thought that came into my head was um, how, as a sex educator, I am constantly tweaking and redefining, and sometimes just throwing my hands up in confusion of the definition of sex. And I thought, I wonder if anyone, or when the last time someone asked Dan Savage what his current definition of sex is. So I wanted to give you a call. Um, If someone just came down and asked you, what is sex? Simple as that. What would your answer be? I was recently on Zach Noe Tower's podcast, Good Morning Sodomites, and we tackled this question. He asks all of his guests, Uh, Early in the podcast, podcast all about sex, how they personally define sex. And so many of Zach's guests are from entertainment and comedy. And so many of them, almost all of them, define sex as penetration, vaginal penetration, anal penetration, not even oral penetration seems for many of them to count. And that makes makes my head explode. You know, if... You define sex as penetration, vaginal or anal. You walk into a room and you see your girlfriend sitting with two naked men and she has their dicks in her hands and she's jacking them off. Is your girlfriend, if you have a monogamous commitment, is she cheating on you? Yeah, even though what she's doing doesn't meet your definition of sex as penetration. I think that we should define sex as broadly as possible because then we will have more of it. I think sex is an erotic experience that two or more people can share. And in the future, an erotic experience that one person maybe and a robot could share that engages Eros and the erotic imagination and is a turn on and may or may not end in climax for one or both parties. I'm hoping sex robots in the future get to come too. I think everybody should get to come. That's my definition of sex. So sex can include cyber and sex can include dry humping with your clothes on and sex can include, you know, double penetration and regular old penetration and hand jobs and cyber sex, masturbating with somebody online. Sex can include sexting. You know, the broader your definition of sex, the more sex you're going to have, the more sex you have the happier and more content a person you're probably going to be. Sexual activity, sexual release really does improve people's qualities of life. Now, here's where I get in trouble with my definition of sex. Well, I think our definitions of sex should be as broad as possible. I think our definition of cheating should be as narrow as possible. Broadly defined sex, you will have a lot of sex narrowly defined cheating and you're less likely to get cheated on. So I think, you know, an erotic experience that two people share where there's arousal and eroticism and perhaps climax for one or both. I think that counts as sex. If your partner got on chatterbait one night or, you know, was watching somebody on a cam or interacting with somebody 
and got off. That's a really common form of masturbation. I think you should round that up to sex if it's something you're enjoying with a partner so that you're having more sex. I think with a long-term committed relationship, you should round that down to maybe not sex so you're less likely to be cheated on. I know these ideas of mine are in conflict, but you know what they say about being a grown-up. Sometimes it means holding two contradictory ideas in your head at the same time. So how do I define sex? Broadly. And that's how I advise people to define sex. How do I define cheating? Narrowly. And that's how I advise people to define cheating. All right, before we get to this week's listener response calls, let's read some listener tweets. Blue Moniker tweets, oh no, fake Dan Savage, the spray foam incident on last week's Lovecast made me so uncomfortable that poor and wild human, everyone, please, please be careful and smart about what you shove in you. And if you can't resist shoving the little straw at the end of the spray foam insulation can into your urethra, please remember to detach that spray spray straw from the can of insulation first. Needless to say, we got a lot of tweets about the spray foam insulation sounding incident. Wyaduck tweets, after this week's Savage Lovecast, I need to throw out any cans of spray foam insulation I may own just in case. Couldn't agree with you more, Wyaduck. And finally, Diana Edelman tweets, I'd bet money that Hump 2023 will have an inordinate number of ice fishing porn submissions. Please count them and give us a number when that time comes, Dan. Hashtag Savage Lovecast. Hashtag Hump Film Festival. Yeah, I hope. I hope we get tons of ice fishing porn submissions for next year's Hump Film Festival. And exactly zero, zero spray foam insulation porn submissions. All right. If you want me to read your tweet on next week's Savage Lovecast, be sure to use the hashtag Savage Lovecast. And a big thank you to everyone who posted to your social media this week about the show, to Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and everywhere else. We really appreciate it. Helps get the word out about the show. And now listener response calls. Hey, Dan, longtime listener here. I'm calling in response to the female caller from episode 802 uh, with the small kids and the 32-year-old kid that she is also taking care of, and she wanted to know whether she needed to leave him or not. I think your response was absolutely dead on, and I wanted to say staying together for the kids is such bullshit. It's such bullshit. If you want to see what this would look like on the other side of things. I actually am a child of divorce myself and I'm happily married, but my husband's parents stayed together for their kids. And my husband suffered a lot more emotional distress because of that. Whereas I saw my mother prioritize her happiness and her family and leave relationships that weren't right for her. And she taught me to do that as well. And so now, you know, I'm in a happy marriage because I watched my mom prioritize that for herself. So you caring for yourself, your, ki- your kids are going to see that. And if you don't care for yourself and you don't care for your partner, your kids are going to see that too. So don't model this as a relationship that your kids should stay in. And, you know, you deserve happiness. You deserve it. So, yeah, dump that motherfucker already. Again, this is in response to the woman who has subs coming to her home. Everything you said was great. One thing that I do when my subs come over, my door opens inward, and I don't know if that's every door, but I tell them I'm going to open the door, and I'm going to stand behind the door. When you walk in, I want you to get on your knees, and I want you to close your eyes. And then they know that I'm going to put a blindfold. Sometimes I even have them get naked 
or strip to their underwear, then get on their knees, and then I put the blindfold on. Anyway, that seems to work for me. They love it. And as soon as they can't see me, but they can smell me and feel my touch, they go crazy. So it's a win-win for everyone. Hey, Dan. This is in response to the caller in episode 802 that was concerned about bringing up his kinks to his girlfriend. I understand his trepidation, but maybe he could um, begin the conversation by asking her if she has any kinks. It may or may not work. He could get a variety of responses ranging from ew to "Mm, that sounds interesting. Yes, it is scary to bring this up, but you know, as they say, nothing ventured, nothing gained. And we're going to leave it there. Got a question for next week's show or a comment about the advice I gave on this week's show? Can you do better? Use the voice memo app on your phone to record your question or your comment, scathing or otherwise, and email it to us at voicemail at savagelovecast.com. You can also call us at 206-302-2064. The Hump 2022 opening festival wrapped up last weekend and the winners have been announced. Congrats to the Ingredient Principal, Sucky Situation, Matt's Dildo, and Animal Style. And Jury Award went to Monster Dyke. And now it's time for all those films and all the other films on this amazing Hump program to hit the road. The tour kicked off last week in Albuquerque and Olympia. And this weekend, Hump is headed to Eugene, Oregon at Broadway Metro and New Orleans at the Broad Theater. Then we'll be taking Hump to over 30 cities throughout North America for the rest of the year. Go to humpfilmfest.com today to check out all the stops on this year's Hump 2022 tour and get your tickets for a screening now. Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. Follow Tim Miller on Twitter at TimODC. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech savvy at-risk youth and Nancy. We'll all be back at you next week for an installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you for downloading.